Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? You said Roar Lions Radio. Oh, no. I said the thing that I've been saying for six years. <laughs> roar Lions Roar. We have rebranded. We got rid of the website. I don't know if you didn't notice this, but if you didn't notice this, uh, can you let us know? Because I'm actually interested to know how that slipped. Hi, by the way. Hi. What's up, buddy? You know, not a lot. It's in... None, it's been a good good couple sports days for me. You know, Seahawks pulled off the win against the Broncos. The Mariners are playing well. Penn State's playing well, obviously. You know, things are things are good. Yes, congrats on, uh, for the first time in your life, I, I guess while he was at Wisconsin, you probably could have done this, but for the first time in your life, getting to really enjoy how funny it is when Russell Wilson loses a football game. <laughs> there is, I, it is, I love, so I love Russell Wilson. What Everything I did for the Seahawks, he was an amazing player. There is something so freeing about watching a game that he is involved in and not having to like, like watching him scramble in the pocket and knowing that the success of that play is not, is not like changing the outcome of my, t- it is freeing. Let me tell you. Did you, did you see, uh, so, sorry for the quick aside here, folks. We'll talk about Penn state in a minute. Did you see the clip where, uh, it was like Pete Carroll saying, Oh no, we just wanted him to have to roll out to his left because we've, he's played for us for a million years and we know he sucks at doing that. This is like the saltiest and like, I don't even know how to, like, this is, I've never seen Pete Carroll like this before. Like, I, it's pretty clear that he's, he was pretty hurt by this whole thing, I think. Like, he was hurt that Russ asked out. I've never seen him like this before. It's crazy. Well, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about another level of football. Penn State, of course, taking on the Auburn Tigers this weekend. Penn State heading down to Auburn, first Big Ten team to play at Jordan-Hare Stadium. We're going to give you a little bit of analysis in the mid-round. Uh, a couple of minutes into this podcast, it's going to go to an interview I did with our pal Jerry Hinnon to get a little bit more insight into the Auburn Tigers. If you want to get a deep dive into Auburn, that's where that's going to be. Nick and I are going to uh, be a little more broad on either side. We're going to start in the first half by talking about our general thoughts on the game. We're going to head over to my interview with Jerry and then talk predictions at the very end. But Nick, Penn State's heading down to Jordan Hare for a 3.30 p.m. kick on CBS. Uh, Penn State, three-point road favorites. Really, uh, really interesting because... I like it, it's just weird for me. what about you it's weird for me to just wrap my head around Penn State is able to go to an SEC stadium against a team that is historically and usually very good and be a three-point favorite like that, that's you know I'm not upset about it but that is something that's surprising to me I would be really curious to see the stats on how many power five teams have gone to an SEC West school and been favored on the road. I can't imagine it happens that often. I mean, I guess Mississippi state it, I mean, well, I mean, even that, like they, they had a, a golden age for lack of a better term, like not long ago. So I, I'd, I'd be curious to see that statistic. Um, but yeah, it's a weird, it's weird. It's weird to go to a place like Jordan Hare. you know, one of them, a handful, 10 toughest places to play in the country. It's all, it's up there. I, it's weird to be going in as a favorite for sure. It's a weird, weird feeling. 
Yes, and the Tigers uh, are currently unranked in the AP poll there. Uh, they got four votes, which I believe was the second fewest of any team uh, in the most recent edition of the poll. This comes with them being a 2-0 and team. They started their season by beating Mercer and San Jose State. As for uh, our pal Bill Connolly and SP+, Auburn is the number 30 team in college football by that metric. 42nd on offense, 15th on defense, and 5th on special teams. Their kicker, Anders Carlson, really good. Uh, Nick, before we uh, get to the point where you go away, Jerry comes in, we talk a bit. What are just your general thoughts on this football game? Because this is, uh, I, I have one very broad overarching thought for this but I want to hear what you think first. I, first and foremost, I, I'm fascinated by this game. Like if Even if I wasn't a Penn State fan, I think that this would be very high on my list of things I would want to watch this week just because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't think that Auburn is... Like, Auburn's probably not that good, um, but we don't really know for sure. Penn State is probably pretty good but we don't know for sure like we don't we still don't really know anything about this penn state team um and you know obviously like we said like the intrigue of a big 10 team going on the road to the sec west like there's i think a lot of people have i'm surprised to learn that auburn got votes in the poll actually um because they kind of struggled last week against san jose state i think that it's like this is just a really good chance to learn a whole lot about two programs that are pretty deeply rooted in the unknown right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for Penn state from our side of things, obviously there's the storylines of Sean Clifford and drew Allers. There's the storylines of um, what's going to happen in the running back room. Like will Singleton be the main guy or will they go back to Kevon Lee in a, you know, tougher environment like this? Um, will the secondary hold up against, I mean, TJ Finley's not very good, but, Will the how will the linebackers look against a good run game? We know Tank Bigsby yeah. is a stud, so I it's I think it's just a really cool opportunity to get a lot of questions answered more than anything. Yeah, one thing that I should have mentioned uh, during that little spiel at the beginning: this is the second, obviously, the second year in a row that Penn State and Auburn are playing. Last year, Auburn traveled to Happy Valley. Penn State won twenty-eight to twenty uh, in what very well might be the best game that, you know, best all around game we have seen Sean Clifford play in his 13 years as Penn state starting quarterback, 28 for 32, 280 yards, 8.8 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, one interception, a QBR of 89.9. And the reason I point that out is to say this, this game specifically to me, is why Sean Clifford is here. Penn State could have said, Drew Auer, this is your football team. It could have said, Christian Veyer, what you did last year, we liked the first glimpses we got. This is your football team. They could have gone out and, you know, done what Auburn did. They could have gotten a, a P5 transfer like a Zach Calzada and said, Zach, this is your football team for a few weeks. We want to ease uh, a guy like Drew into becoming our starting quarterback. What Penn State instead was they said, Sean, what you have done over the course of your career says to us, this is our best option to win football games because two of our first three games are a Big Ten road game on a Thursday night and a trip down to Jordan-Hare to be the first Big Ten team that has ever done that. And the thing that fascinates me is that the tenor of this Penn State football season is going to be defined by what Sean Clifford does. 
if he has an unconvincing game and Penn State wins in Jordan Hare, the calls for Drew Auer are going to be as loud as ever. If he loses, win, no matter how he plays, if he can't win this football game, the calls for Drew Auer are going to be louder than ever. Yep. If Sean Clifford can go into Jordan Hare and have the game that he had last year or something resembling it, you know, uh, good completion percentage, you know, 28 divided by 32. I'm not going to do the math. That's what, seven for eight? Like that's 87.5%, I believe. If he completes 60% of his passes for 300 some on yards, three touchdowns, and doesn't turn the ball over, we're suddenly talking about this Penn State team being a team that can compete in the Big Ten. If he can do that sort of thing in a win in this environment, we're talking about Penn State being a team that can compete at the highest level in the Big Ten. And right now, it's on him. Right now, it is on him. I think if you look at these two football teams to a man, you will say that Penn State is a better football team. And so much of this is going to come down to what Penn State gets out of Sean Clifford. Now, I will say this, Nick. Do you agree with the statement that to a man, you know, if they're playing this game in Jerry world, if they're playing this game uh, at, at whatever they call Heinz field now, if they're playing this game uh, in whatever sponsor uh, is in Atlanta for its stadium right now, you will, you would be far more comfortable picking Penn state because you believe to a man, they are a better football team. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. If this is yeah. neutral field, I would feel very confident um, in Penn state being able to win this game. And I think if it wasn't an intro field, I think we might see Penn State favored by like six and a half or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, no, totally. Absolutely agree with that. So those are just our very preliminary thoughts on this. But the best way to understand an opposing team is to listen to somebody else who knows them talk about them. So to do that, we went out, got our pal Jerry Hinnon. Jerry's going to come on, give us a really good look into Auburn. And once that is done, you're going to hear us one more time talking about what Penn State and Auburn need to do to win this football game and giving our predictions. Big week for Penn State football because Penn State is not playing a school that we can't get someone to talk about. Uh, that means we got a special guest on today's episode of the podcast. Not me and any of my other usual co-hosts, just me. And my pal, Jerry Hinnon, War Eagle reader, formerly of CBS Sports, college football aficionado, USMNT Stan, Huddersfield Town supporter, among many other things. Jerry, what's going on, man? Hey, Bill. Uh, I'm doing great. You left out that uh, I tweet about curling like every now and again, like during, <laughs> during the bra and the Scotties, if you want some extremely amateur curling analysis, you, you can tune in to at Jerry Hinnon for that as well. Boy, I I don't get a chance to watch curling all that often, but all I remember was during the so the Winter Olympics. Yeah, fine. Like, what's the 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 joke that Norm made at the ESPYS the one year they made the mistake of letting him host it? He said like the Winter Olympics are hockey and well hockey, I guess. But last the last time around when there was the American team that won it all, I remember yeah. getting more into curling than I am for any other Olympic sport. It is awesome. It's it's the interesting sport in that, like, it's not the most sort of immediately viewer-friendly one because you're trying to figure out, well, right. like, why did this team decide to do this shot, which looked much more difficult than this other shot? Um, and right. I feel like the announcers don't always do, like, the best job of explaining like why they're not doing something that looks very obvious, but the more you watch it and the more you understand like the strategy and what is possible and what is not possible and how the rocks move on the ice. Uh, 
it, it's completely it's unlike anything in sort of like American sports. And again, I mentioned the Briar and the Scotties because I don't know if you're familiar with these, but these are these huge tournaments and each province is represented. So like you've got like <laughs> the Northwest Territories playing, you know, Saskatchewan or you've got Newfoundland yeah. playing, uh, you know, British Columbia or whatever. And so there's like, province pride is very much on the line um you know in these sorts of things and it really makes me want to start a like all 50 states uh five on five basketball tournament like the tournament is awesome (laughs) but what if we did the tournament with like states and you would have qualifying tournaments and you would see if like alaska's best five could take down like florida's best five or something and like you know, yeah. is New York the basketball <laughs> hotbed really like, you know, so uh, I watched the Briar and the Scotties. <laughs> Hell yeah. And speaking of speaking of things that are uh, the going Wednesday to be podcast is going this, great, Bill. <laughs> that's right. Let's go. Uh, this this weekend actually is one that is full of pride beyond just Penn State and Auburn playing this yeah. weekend. First time that a Big Ten team has ever gone down to Jordan-Hare Stadium to play Auburn. The Tigers this year, they are unranked, got four votes in the last AP poll, 2-0 on the season with wins over Mercer and San Jose State, and they are 30th in SP+, 42nd offensively, 19th defensively, 5th in special teams. And Jerry, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. When we were, when I, you know, looking ahead to the offseason, like, all right, what am I going to do for this, 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 this? I figured I was going to have you on to talk about Auburn, but I am shocked that I am having you on to have to discuss Brian Harson's Auburn Tigers. So <laughs> just the 10,000 foot view, uh, what the heck is going on down there? Because this last off season, it seemed like Auburn yeah. was in line to make some really uh, program changing uh, moves and that it just didn't really come to fruition. Yeah. I don't know exactly how close Harson actually came to getting canned. I think getting rid of a guy who's been in the job for, you know, what, 16 months at that point. Um, and Auburn has this reputation, right, of, like, just mm-hmm. firing their head coach every time the wind changes direction, which honestly has always been a little bit, uh, you know, of a – irritation a needle under the skin for Auburn fans because Auburn actually does not change coaches all that often like Pat Dye had a very long tenure he was immediately followed by you know Terry Bowden who was there for five years but then Tommy Tuberville was there for more than 10 years uh Gus Malzahn you know was on the hot seat for long stretches (laughs) of his tenure obviously but he actually made it to you know from 2013 to 2021 so you know he had an eight-year run uh, and, you know, going further back than that, Shug Jordan was there, you know, for whom the stadium is named, uh, you know, he was there for like 30 years. So, you know, Auburn has only had, you look at Auburn's, you know, hiring and firing record compared to an LSU or a Florida or several of, you know, their other yeah. peers. And, you know, they've actually gone through fewer coaches uh, than lots of other SEC teams. So, you know, that reputation always feels a little bit unearned. Um, and despite all the turmoil the Sturmundrang we went through uh, this past spring, I'm not 100% sure how close Auburn's administration actually came to pulling the trigger 
on firing Harson to sort of recap for anyone who missed it, uh, which I think would probably be useful because, you know, again, we're talking about like the 10,000 foot view here. Um, you know, uh, Paysite came out with a report in the spring uh, that Harson had had an inappropriate relationship with an athletic department staffer. Um, I don't think that was ever corroborated in any sort of legitimate fashion. Uh, but this started off kind of a firestorm where, in fact, a lot of players had transferred out from the program uh, after the previous season. There were some allegations thrown around, not necessarily of like player abuse, but just kind of that Harson was like, a jackass and it kind of gone above and beyond. And then, yeah. you know, eventually the school put out the statement that said like, well, we're looking into, you know, exactly how big of a jackass we're talking about here, more or less I'm paraphrasing, um, you know, a, a statement that really just did not say, look, there's nothing to this. Harson's our coach. He's going to be our coach this fall. It was just very much more sort of a, we're looking into this, uh situation kind of statement which of course at that point everybody assumes oh well they're looking for an excuse to fire him which I don't know, maybe they were uh but in any case they did not seem to find that excuse uh this wasn't helped really by harson was on vacation in mexico at the time and rather than race back uh to auburn to sort of try and put out these fires basically just was like no i'm going to chill with my uh fruity drink in hand next to you know my resort pool or whatever and you know i'll catch you guys when i get back um you know which didn't really it's sort of both sides sort of put off this air of we're maybe sort of looking for an excuse to go our separate ways, but we'll see what happens. And yeah. what happened was that eventually the school said, well, we're going to stick with him. We didn't really find anything in this investigation. Uh, we're, we're happy to have him sort of, you know? Um, so it's this very sort of uneasy situation where it feels like Harson, you know, even though he is very much still the coach does not have the full throated support uh, of the administration, uh, the athletic director who hired him, Alan Green, uh, has since left uh, Auburn's athletic program as well. He has been replaced um, on what seemed like not necessarily the most amicable terms with like the university administration and the board of trustees. Uh, like he was basically just kind of not offered a new contract. I, it's you know there's a ton of stuff up in the air on top of the usual. <laughs> anarchy that is the Auburn football program uh you know I again I say Auburn does not actually hire and fire coaches as frequently as their reputation but they have that reputation because their coaches always seem to be on the verge of being fired at any particular yes. time so I I won't necessarily say that the reputation is totally unearned um but you know, there is definitely, uh, even though Harson is still around, uh, there is definitely sort of, uh, it, it's on a low boil right now during the season. Uh, if Harson loses this game uh, and goes on to lose uh, most of the other extremely difficult games on this schedule, uh, the low boil uh, that, you know, uh, we've gone back to after what happened in the spring will definitely uh, return to full boil steam going off in every direction uh, in a big hurry. Yeah. And I try not to uh, swear too much on the podcast, but yeah. I just looked at what Auburn schedule is starting in October. Yeah. Good 
God. But yeah, it uh, seems like it, it, interesting time for Auburn. Uh, yeah. One thing that makes it even more interesting is that in 2021, Auburn's coordinators were Mike Bobo and Derek Mason. And yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but both of the people who replaced them are people who came with Harson from Boise State. That is correct. Uh, the new OC is Eric Kizot. Um Anyways, he came with Harson. He was not actually a full-fledged offensive assistant to start last season. He was like a quality assistant guy uh, around the staff and eventually sort of just wormed his, got onto the full-fledged staff, I think, during last season after the wide receivers coach uh, was let go in the middle of the season. Um, and he's since been promoted to offensive coordinator, I think, slash quarterbacks coach. Um, and, yes, uh, Mason left for Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, how voluntary or not voluntary that was, uh, I think a little bit in the eye of the beholder, he's been replaced by Jeff Schmetting, who, uh, has been working with Harson for both of these guys have worked with Harson for years and years. Um, you know, the general sort of, uh, feeling among Auburn fans is that this is actually a good thing, um, that, you know, Harson needs to sort of ride or die with his guys. There was some undercurrent uh among the fan base that Bobo was not necessarily Harson's first selection and then kind of you know maybe he had been nudged in that direction by people who felt he needed some kind of SEC ties like on his staff uh Bobo you know more sort of southeastern experience uh which Bobo certainly had as a Georgia grad had done some coaching you know in the SEC before um but that marriage did not seem necessarily like it worked out uh, so, you know, I, the general Auburn feeling, and I would share in this is that like, you know, we, Harson deserves the chance to at least go down swinging. Uh, and if he wants to ride or die with his guys, then he is entitled to do that. Um, which is great. I'm not really blown away by either Kizos or Schmetting's, <laughs> uh, resumes necessarily. Schmetting, I think has probably done some good work, he has more experience, I think, than Kizo. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, we'll see what happens like on paper, not the most thrilling hire. Also, uh, the offensive coordinator position very briefly went to Austin Davis, the former Southern Miss quarterback. And I think Cowboys assistant last year, um, who came mm. in was the offensive coordinator in the off season for like a week and then left again, um, is now, I think the USM, color commentator like I don't think he's coaching this fall another just very bizarre situation you know just kind of the you know like I said another uh piece of kindling on the never ending uh tire fire that is sort of uh Auburn's off-field off-season process so uh there there was that as well but anyways yes uh Mason and Bobo are, have both been replaced by longtime Harson guys and two games into the season, Auburn is 2-0, a 42-16 win against Mercer, a 24-16 win against San Jose State. Both of them were at Jordan-Hare. Auburn does not go on the road this season until October 8th. Uh, was How has your view of this team changed through two weeks? Is it more positive, more negative, or has your approach this entire time been we are not learning anything about Auburn, good, bad, or otherwise, until September 17th when Penn State comes to town? Yeah. No, I, I think you can learn things in uh, your cupcake games. Uh, this was, I think, what year was it? It was the 2016-17. I don't remember which year it was, but Auburn played Alabama State uh, at home. 
and Alabama State is not good at football necessarily, at least not on an FBS level. They're an HBCU, FCS program, um, and Auburn didn't really struggle with them. I think the final was like 50-something to seven, but, you know, the offense just took a drive or two to really get going, and the defense gave up some yards here and there. Uh, and Alabama State, though, was so terrible that Auburn's SP Plus ranking fell like 10 spots or something. And the reaction from like lots of Auburn fans who were still very excited about this season at that stage, um, maybe in 2018, I think it was the follow-up season to uh, after Auburn had actually won the SEC West and gone to the Peach Bowl. Um, Jarrett Stidham was still the quarterback. So opti- there was lots of optimism this season. I think that's what season this was. And uh, their SP Plus ranking fell like 10 spots because they hadn't beaten this absolutely – terrible team like the spread was like 60 points or something like that and they only won by like 45 or something um and so they dropped and a lot of auburn fans were like you know they weren't even trying you know the vanilla offense didn't put anything on tape you know blah 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 blah. and then like the season played out and auburn was not as good as we thought they were um like this was sort of the canary in the coal mine was this 10 spot sb plus drop uh, and I bring that up because they dropped nine spots after playing San Jose State. Uh, they are currently 30th <laughs> in SP Plus uh, after being 21st last week. Their Sagarin rating absolutely plummeted. They are uh, 61st in Sagarin right now, um, which if you compare San Jose State to Penn State's opponent last week uh, and their relative performances, you can kind of understand why. Sagarin has Ohio... Uh, number 101 they have san jose state number 106 and of course uh you know penn state beat ohio sort of properly they they beat them 46 to 10 auburn (laughs) trailed san jose state at halftime 10 to 7 and won 24 to 16 didn't actually like clinch the game until they recovered uh a san jose state onsides kick uh there and with like you know 80 seconds remaining or something uh it was not a positive performance like you can kind of you know, look at some positive things that happen. The running backs, uh, as expected, look very good. TJ Finley, after getting his sort of semi-traditional uh, interception out of the way in the first half, finished the game very strongly. Um, you know, the uh, pass rush kind of looked as advertised. You can find these sorts of bright spots. But the bottom line is, in week one, San Jose State was outgained by Portland State, an FCS program at home by 107 yards, then went on the road mm. and was outgained by Auburn by 49 yards. So it was mm. just not a positive performance. And if you go back to the beginning, you know, the preseason, I was not really optimistic. I think I had Auburn pegged for a 7-5 and five kind of record this season. Wasn't going to make a lot of noise in the SEC. Uh, but I had some real concerns about the passing game um, and maybe a little bit uh, about the secondary, which lost, you know, a lot of contributors. Uh, and through two weeks, I would say those concerns have not been assuaged. Uh, as an overall team, hmm. you know, I, I would say they have been unassuaged to the point. I, I might tip down my expecto meter uh, another notch. I, th- I think we might be looking at a 6-6 six and six type season. But, you know, it's still San Jose State. There is something to that, you know, Hopefully they're due for a better performance starting this Saturday and then hopefully going forward. You know, they came extremely close to losing to Georgia State last season uh, and went on to pick up at least one or two more decent victories after that. So, 
we'll see. Um, you know, but but right now the general mood uh, in the Auburn fan base is one of trepidation. Let's say, uh, and that that would be some trepidation I would share. You mentioned uh, T.J. Finley, uh, the team's uh, nominal starting quarterback. Yeah. Finley uh, won the job after Bo Nix decided he wanted to get losing to Georgia out of the way a little bit earlier this year. That's correct. Uh, Finley, uh, <laughs> Finley has been uh, starting. He uh, transferred to Auburn from LSU, won the job out over Robbie Ashford, a former four-star prospect who originally started his career at Oregon and Zach Calzada who beat Alabama last year somehow so Auburn's quarterback room it's it's an interesting situation because you mentioned the San Jose State game I didn't get a chance to watch too terribly much of that I was at a wedding I had it up on my phone a little bit how dare you how dare you not watch Auburn versus San Jose State Well, I still hey, watched Penn, State come on. last week, man. I, I will be I, <laughs> this evening. I will be firing up uh, Penn State, Ohio, to uh, get up to speed on that. But my understanding is that you know Finley looked like basically what everyone expected him to look like yeah. from watching him to play. Ashford comes in, gives the offense a little bit more juice, particularly on the ground. Calzada is you know, he's, he's doing a good job with clipboards. So what is the quarterback situation look like? Uh, now that, now that Bo Nix, one of those guys who, uh, as you said, left in that just mass exodus of players this off season, uh, as, as Auburn is trying to figure out what that room looks like. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm surprised that Finley ended up winning the job sort of by the margin. It appears he did, uh, when they brought Calzada Mm. in, Mm. Over the offseason, my assumption was that they are doing this to bring in him to be the starter, right? Like, if you are happy with TJ Finley as your starting quarterback, then you, you know, sign some, you know, they did sign one uh, freshman to develop as well, a uh, four-star named Holden Gariner, uh, who hasn't seen the field yet. Uh, but to, when you bring in the veteran transfer guy, you expect the veteran transfer guy to, like, win the job, right? Um particularly one with SEC experience, uh, had the one particularly out-of-body, you know, 60 minutes against Alabama where he was touched by the divine light of God um, and led the (laughs) game-winning quarterback, game-winning drive against Alabama in the fourth quarter. And just like, uh, you know, I I feel like we use that Will Ferrell scene in the debate from, uh, geez, I can't remember the name of the movie, but where – he gives the incredible debate answer and then says, what happened? I blacked out from old school. Thank you. What happened? I blacked out for a minute. I always imagine Zach Calzada uh, sort of looking up in the locker room and going, hey, what, wait, what just happened? Um, so that won't ever happen again. But that didn't necessarily have to happen again for him to win the starting quarterback job from TJ Finley. Uh, and it decidedly right. did not. Like, basically – you know, from the first sort of whispers of fall camp, like a week or two uh, into August, the, the, the chatter was that like, it, it's probably Finley's job to lose uh, for better, for worse. Um, <laughs> my assumption with all due respect to Finley, who, you know, uh, you know, has done the things he's mostly supposed to do at Auburn, I, I think is for worse. I think he, is an erratic quarterback. You just look at his numbers, like going back to LSU when he appeared in, you know, for Auburn last year. I mentioned the Georgia State escape. Finley authored that escape. Um, you know, full credit to him. Nick's had just a terrible day. 
Finley came off the bench and played very, very well and earned Auburn a win that it really did not look like they were going to get. Made one particularly incredible, like, fourth down, touchdown pass play with guys hanging all over him. Um, And so full credit to him for that. Um, But just the body of work that we have seen from TJ Finley so far uh, is not necessarily the most encouraging, and that has continued through the first couple of games of the season. He threw two interceptions against Mercer, both of which were not good plays. They weren't like incredible, you know, diving snares uh, by Mercer players where you say, oh, well, that was a good read, a good throw, and just somebody else made a good play. The interception against San Jose State almost sort of was in that category where uh, Finley just threw an out. The corner made a great play on it, uh, you know, but the ball was like just slightly inside. It was not a 100% accurate throw on a fairly simple throw as well. Um, you know, he, he just has not been able to remove some of the erraticism, uh, you know, from his game so far. And the hope for Auburn this Saturday, the hope going forward for the rest of the season is that Finley is going to be able to sort of harness, uh, you know, his talent, eliminate those mistakes. And if they do, they will have an SEC caliber starting quarterback. He does have the arm. He is a tough dude to bring down. He is very good at sort of making things happen uh, when the pressure breaks down. He's able to sort of evade tackles, stay on his feet, improvise reads. Those are the sorts of things that he can absolutely do, which, again, is why this Georgia State drive uh, worked out so beautifully is because the game was in a constant state of chaos, and that seems to be where Finley thrives. It's when he's given, like, a five-step drop in a clean pocket and is just asked to make a throw that sometimes it just seems to sort of like the ball just doesn't come out of his hand properly. And it, you know, he gets into trouble that way. Um, So we'll see what happens, Uh, you know, which is part of the reason I think that the staff is trying to get Ashford sort of more into the mix is to take some of the pressure, I think off of Finley. Um, The problem is that so far, you know, the, the book on Ashford, uh, is that like he is a going to be a great dual threat sort of running threat, run the zone read, uh, have you know quarterback uh, called quarterback draws and carries this sort of stuff, and he definitely provides that. We've seen some explosive runs from him already through these first couple of games. Um, you know, I think he is a. I would like to see him in the red zone in particular. I always feel like running eleven on eleven with quarterback as a running threat is a much better way of trying to run the ball inside the ten. Uh, than trying to run 10 on 11 where the quarterback just hands off the ball and stands there. Um, you know, so I think he can definitely bring that dimension to the offense. The question is, can he throw well enough to keep the defense honest? We saw some of that against Mercer. He had one great deep ball, uh, but then his, uh, you know, he had three passes against San Jose State. One of them was a one-yard dump off to the running back. One of them was an ugly incompletion, and one of them was a hideous interception in which he just kind of stared down his receiver um, and the, the corner on that side uh, was able to just read him the whole way and make a very easy interception. So whether Ashford's going to be able to keep anybody honest uh, is, is, with the, you know, the passing game is still very much TBD. Uh, so, and Calzada is just really has never been in the picture. Like at no point really starting about the halfway point of fall camp uh, has anybody expected Calzada to get snaps. He has not taken a snap through the first, Two games of the season, uh, Ashford has just basically been the backup quarterback. Um, it's, you know, uh, it's Finley's job to lose. It's Ashford's backup job to lose. 
Um, those are the guys Auburn is running with. And we will see, you know, like I said, I, I do not have a whole lot of confidence in TJ Finley to be an SEC caliber starting quarterback, uh, but the talent is there. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of putting it all together for the first time at Auburn. And before we dive into learning a little bit more about the Auburn Tigers, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this podcast, uh, Home Field Apparel. It's been our sponsor throughout this college football season. If you're a college sports fan on the internet, as myself and Jerry both are, you are surely aware of them. But if you are not, Home Field Apparel is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. They're from Big Ten country. They're rooting very hard for us this weekend against the SEC because apparently you're supposed to root for your conference. The shirts that they make are very comfortable. They're very unique, and they take time to make sure that the shirts that you get make you feel closer to your school with really cool and interesting designs, old logos, all these sorts of things. Uh, if you are interested in getting something from their Penn State collection, it is 15 pieces of apparel. But if you just want to get anything from Home Field Apparel and you are a new customer Use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Again, promo code ROARLIONSROAR, all one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Thank you very much to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this edition of the podcast. And let's get back to talking about Auburn. Jerry, the question I have for you, what is the thing you are most confident with the offense? with uh with Auburn's offense and if I had to guess I'm just going to throw this out there before I let you talk it involves the fact that your school has Tank Bigsby yes that is correct before we move on too far I I just happen to be wearing a home field apparel <laughs> shirt if anyone's listening like everything let's go actually said about the sponsor there is 100% true like I just I'm wearing a home field apparel shirt right now with uh Aubie dunking a basketball um so, but yes, uh, the running game, the running backs, it's not even close, Bill. Like, <laughs> yeah. you have the running backs, not just Bigsby, uh, who is, I think, exceptional, is going to go on to a highly lucrative NFL career, I think. But Jarquez Hunter, uh, his backup, is a very explosive running back. If you can give him a crease, um, he absolutely can go for 30 or 40 yards on any given snap as well. And they've got a freshman who just had a couple of carries against San Jose state named Amari Alston, uh, who looked like if he ever gets a chance at being the number one guy might be just as explosive and just as uh, productive as those top two guys. But the running back room, um, you know, uh, the meme with like the huge muscular dog and then the like sort of tiny wimpy dog, you know, like, this is the Auburn running back room versus basically every other unit on the Auburn offense at this stage. Uh, Bigsby, I, I think, you know, uh, if he was at some school where, you know, we had a dominant offensive line and, you know, lots of holes to run through and it really, you know, wasn't facing eight, nine-man fronts on a fairly consistent basis, I, I think he would be recognized as the best uh, running back in America. I'll just say that. I think that's kind of the talent mm -hmm. that he sure. has. And as an Auburn fan, I feel like we have seen some talented running backs, uh, you know, come through our program over, over the course of my lifetime. Um, you know, he is absolutely the real deal. Uh, the problem is that Auburn's offensive line has never really matched his standard, has not matched Darquez Hunter's standard, has not matched the standards of the running backs that have been running behind them for several years now. Um, I had hoped that this year would be different. It may still, uh, but our veteran center, Nick Brahms, was injured, uh, decided to retire before this season started, 
uh, and it still feels like the interior blocking in particular is still a work in progress. Uh, Bigsby's mm. runs up the middle against San Jose State frequently did not uh, net a lot of yardage. I forget exactly. His yards per carry, though, was well under five for that game, I think. Hunter's was, he, you know, it's, the offensive line has a little bit of TJ Finley syndrome where they'll have several plays where uh, they don't, you know, necessarily open the kind of crease you would like to see. And then all of a sudden Hunter gets an enormous hole that it's like, well, if Bixby had gotten that, <laughs> you know, his yards per carry would look so much better. Why, why do you guys not like blocking for tank? Um, but that's kind of the way it's gone now, which begs the question, like, if they're that inconsistent against San Jose State and we can't get a consistent push on like second and four, uh, you know, first and 10 against San Jose State, uh, Penn State's defensive line, I'm pretty sure, is a lot better than San Jose State's. Uh, you know, so there's a big question about how much room Auburn's running backs are going to be given to operate. But that being said, um, if they do have a chance uh, to show what they are worth. Both Bigsby and Hunter, I think, are really top-notch, top-tier running backs. Bigsby in particular, like I said, I, I really think is an, mm-hmm. a future NFL guy. Um, I, I think anything good that Auburn is going to accomplish uh, on offense is most likely to start uh, with those running backs, and at the very least with the threat of those running backs. Because Penn State's going to have to commit guys towards the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to commit – you know, a safety. They're going to have to commit guys, uh, you know, to making sure that Hunter and Bigsby don't get loose because of the threat that they offer. And if something good happens for Auburn's passing game, which, you know, very TBD, but if something does, uh, it's going to start with the threat of those running backs. Yeah. Last year, uh, Bigsby, 23 carries, 102 yards, 4.4 yards per carry and two touchdowns. Uh, Hunter, 963, seven yards per carry against Penn State's defense. And I know uh, a big sentiment that I have heard from a lot of Penn State fans, and I tend to agree with, is that if, uh, you know, the old run the ball uh, Bobo uh, meme applied to this game, it felt like if Auburn was more reliant on its running backs instead of asking Nick, who had, you know, 73.2 QBR, wasn't completing for a ton of yards, but didn't do anything particularly catastrophic. You know, a lot of people I know felt like Auburn would have won that football game. Uh, another thing that worked in Auburn's fa- works in Auburn's favor usually is their defense pretty good. It's a pretty uh, nasty and aggressive unit. Uh, has that been the case this year, Jerry? And kind of that same question I just asked, what are you most and least confident in with Auburn's defense this year? Yeah, uh, through two games, Auburn's defense has been mostly as advertised. Uh, the pass rush with Derek Hall and Eku Leota, um, you know, coming into the season, I think most Auburn fans would have circled that as the defense's greatest strength. But they've also got some very good linebackers. Uh, Colby Wooden's another great guy in the front seven who had a great game against San Jose State. He's been very disruptive. Owen Papo is a very disruptive linebacker who struggled with injuries a little bit. He's healthy again. Um, you know, the question has been a little bit in the secondary. They've had to replace some star guys. Roger McCreary, uh, their star corner from a year ago, is apparently starting for the Titans as a rookie this year. So that tells you a little bit about the kind of talent they're having to replace. On paper, mm-hmm. the guys uh, who have taken over uh, at corner, Jalen Simpson and Nehemiah Pritchett, they've had some solid experience. Uh, you know, they've, they've seen plenty of snaps coming into this season. Uh, but San Jose State gave them a little bit of trouble. Um, 
Shevon Cordero, who listeners who enjoy staying up uh, late into the night to watch Hawaii football games uh, may remember Mr. Cordero playing for the Rainbow Warriors. He transferred out, transferred to San Jose State, uh, and he had some joy going against Auburn secondary last week, finished with, uh, you know, 275 yards passing, I think, pretty decent QBR. Uh, it was the most passing yards Auburn has given up to a group of five quarterback in like 10 plus years or something like that. Um, you know, he had a very good game. Um, and that was against, again, an offense that had struggled uh, against Portland State. Portland State gave up nine sacks, I think I saw, uh, to Auburn. And Auburn's pass rush was able to get some pressure on Cordero when he was forced to hold the ball. The difficulty was that uh, San Jose State, I guess, reacting to their struggles to protect the quarterback the previous week, uh, had a lot of quick reads. Auburn was playing, um, you know, off-man coverage. They had their corners pretty set far off the line of scrimmage, and Cordero was just kind of able to pick them apart with some quick slants, some quick hitters uh, that kind of neutralized the Auburn pass rush. And so, um, you know, what I am most confident in I would say is if Auburn secondary can force Sean Clifford to hold the ball for longer than he would like, I think Auburn's pass rush can absolutely make uh, some, Hey, I think Auburn's rush defense, Mm. I think is pretty strong. I think the defense, definitely the front seven with the linebackers uh, and some of the defensive line I mentioned, I think they can hold up pretty well uh, in rush defense, but you know, Clifford is the kind of steady, you know, uh, we saw last year, I forget exactly what his uh, pass completion percentage last year was, but it was something totally absurd. Um, and so we we're kind of having a little bit of flashbacks last week, thinking about, you know, Clifford completing all those passes against this soft coverage that Auburn was running, uh, you know, against San Jose say Cordero is a very talented quarterback. He definitely has an arm, um, but he, you know, isn't nearly as sort of precise, isn't nearly as steady as Clifford is. Uh, and if he was able to make these sorts of throws very consistently, uh, you, you worry a little bit uh, about what Clifford's going to be able to do. So I would say, you know, that's what I'm worried about uh, with the Auburn defense is, you know, first of all, is Schmetting going to continue calling this sort of off-man, soft coverage, you know, give them six or seven yards so that you don't get beat deep kind of thing, which seems to me to run a little bit counterintuitive when you have the excellent pass rush Auburn does. You would kind of want to, you know, prevent those quick throws and maybe bring the pass rush into it a little bit more, more, you know, sort of higher risk, but also higher reward, um, you know, as opposed to the soft coverage. So I'll be interested to see if Schmetting sticks with that, maybe goes press a little bit more often. Uh, But but that would be my question would be, you know, uh, how well is the secondary going to hold up? Uh, if they do, I think Auburn's defense will be in business. Uh, if we saw kind of the uh, this coverage and these struggles that we saw last week against Cordero, um, you know, I, I think Auburn in that case might be in a little bit of trouble. So let's start wrapping this up by going into uh, predictions, picks, previews, those like that sort of big stuff. Uh, when you look at this game, Jerry, and you look at where Auburn is strong, where you'll get where Auburn has some weaknesses, all you know, all those sorts of things. What do you think is ultimately going to decide the winner of this football game? It's going to be whether TJ Finley and Auburn's passing game can really accomplish what they need to accomplish. I, I, I started to say can accomplish anything, but that's setting the bar, I think, a little bit too low. To beat a Penn State, you have to accomplish more <laughs> than nothing. Uh, you know, it, it's – 
it's not just Finley, right? Like that's you always circle the quarterback and say, oh well, you know, the passing game is on him. But Auburn is also replacing a lot in the receivers department. Um, you know, their top yeah. two returning pass catchers from a year ago were Cedric Jackson, who is actually Bo Jackson's nephew. This is the Auburn broadcasting equivalent of like Colt McCoy and Jackson Shipley are roommates. Like if you're watching an <laughs> Auburn broadcast, you're going to hear that Shedrick Jackson is Bo Jackson's nephew. It's 100% guaranteed. Um, anyways, he and the tight end, John Samuel Schenker are the two returning pass catchers from a year ago. And they're very good sort of underneath possession type options, but Auburn doesn't have any sort of, proven downfield threat uh the guys who they relied on a year ago kobe hudson a couple other guys those guys are gone um the sort of candidate is uh i think he's a junior javarius johnson who did have a couple of nice plays downfield against san jose state um but you know just the overall coming into the season like the passing game was like my big sort of flashing red light like it's not just that like okay tj finley has won the job despite his sort of lackluster body of work. It's also that we've lost our top receivers. It's also that the offensive coordinator, you know, has been replaced. That there's just no continuity within this passing game at all. Um, and, you know, the first two games yeah. of the season, again, were not very reassuring in that regard. Finley's thrown three interceptions. Ashford, in his cameos trying to throw the ball, has not really been uh, a steadying hand in that regard. Um, can you beat a Penn State with this level of overall passing game. Like, this is the year 2022. You cannot, if this was a Tommy Tuberville team, man, we would be on a, like, collision course for 10-2 and two and, you know, a Peach Bowl bit or something. They would just play lights-out defense. They would run the ball 45 times a game, uh, and we would win every game 17-13, to 13 and things would be great. Uh, but this is the year 2022. Mm -hmm. You have to actually be able to throw and catch um, and we haven't seen yet that Auburn can do that with this passing game, not just Finley, but with these receivers, this offensive line, this offense coordinator, just as a unit, can this passing game do enough on third and six? Can they do enough on second and 10 uh, to actually score enough points to win the game? Because, you know, Sean Clifford, again, this Penn State offense is going to put some points up on us. Like they, they're a veteran group. I, you know, I think they're pretty well coached. They put up 30 plus points on Purdue on the road in the first week of the season. You know, they're going to score some points. Now, you know, I don't think they're going to go off for like 40 or something. I think Auburn's defense is too good for that. Uh, but this isn't going to be a game, I don't think, where both teams are in the low teens. And, you know, it comes down to like which punter is having a good evening, which, by the way, Auburn's punter is great. His name is Oscar, Oscar Chapman. We, we've got our Aussie. Like, you know, that's the hip thing is going out and finding you an Australian football guy, uh, you know, to do your punting. We've done that now. Uh, he's great. Um, but, you know, I just don't think it's going to be that sort of game. And because it's not that sort of game, the Auburn passing game and TJ Finley, you're going to have to make plays. And that's, I think, ultimately what it's going to come down to is can Finley and his targets make enough plays uh, to keep Auburn in the game and to keep, you know, also Penn State's defense honest. If Penn State feels like we're able to, you know, we're going to put nine guys in the box and say, okay, Tank, you know, do you can do your best. Um, I don't think that's going to end well for Auburn. Finley has to keep uh, everybody honest. He has to be able to make enough plays for Auburn to score in the 24 to 28 point range. If that happens, I think Auburn's going to have a decent shot at uh, winning the game. Um, I am not yet convinced uh, that that is going to happen, however. So 
let's get into your pick. If you want to pick a winner score or whatever you want to, whatever you want to do here. I've had plenty of people come on and say, no, I'm not picking this game. Are you go? Are you uh, confident enough in a prediction that you are willing to throw it out? (laughs) I, I feel like uh, the Vegas line right now is minus three. uh, And that feels pretty much perfect to me. I think, Penn State are the favorite based on what I've seen through the first couple of weeks of the season. I do think because it is going to be a difficult environment for Penn State. I think, you know, it's it, Jordan Hare. Um, oh, and this is a very, very minor thing. Uh, but if any Penn State fans are listening and they're going to the game, okay, if you want to be cool among the Auburn fans you meet, make sure you pronounce it Jordan Hare Stadium. It's not Jordan Hare. It's Jordan Hare. I know it's an, there's an O there. Just pretend it's an E, okay? Uh, it's it's Jordan Hare Stadium. Uh, Jordan Hare Stadium is going to be a, a very raucous place. Like Auburn fans, yeah. Um, we tend to be beaten down later in the season, <laughs> but our early season big home primetime matchups, uh, you know, tend to be uh, tend to be pretty raucous environments. Uh, I do think that part is going to be difficult for Penn State. Um, I, I'm not overly concerned about the weather. It is, I think, going to be pretty hot and humid. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like that's not a huge factor. I think it's going to come down to, you know, just kind of which team can execute. But I do think the environment is going to lend itself towards being easier for Auburn to execute uh, than Penn State. Um, but, I, again, I just cannot get over, uh, you know, until Auburn's passing game proves to me that it can do enough in a game against like this against an opponent like this uh i'm just not seeing it i think minus three to me feels about right that penn state's probably about a touchdown better team um you know the uh the advanced uh the you know the power rankings that's about where they probably have it you know you lop off uh three or four points for home field advantage and you end up with minus three minus four that feels about right to me i i think i would go with penn state 24 auburn 21 i I think it ends up in that same area as well. Uh, I will give my prediction on our uh, preview pod. It, this is legitimately, I'm just, I'll just come out and say, this is a legitimately fascinating game to me because yes. my entire theory of this Penn State season is this game is the exact reason why Sean Clifford is still here. I think yeah. that. Even beyond what he did last year, I think every Penn State fan clamoring for the five-star true freshman, um, college football is littered with five-star true freshmen walking into hostile road environments and just getting the hell. Penn State fans have seen this firsthand. To me, throwing Drew Aller out there, you're running the risk of uh, the famous game in, uh, I, I think it was 2008, where Notre Dame came in to Happy Valley and, uh, Sorry, it was uh, 2007. Notre Dame came into Happy Valley with this uh, flashy true freshman by the name of Jimmy Clausen, who was viewed as he's going to win a Heisman Trophy. He's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. They went to Happy Valley. It was something he had never seen before. 17 for 32, 144 yards. Penn State won 31 to 10. I think this game is the exact reason why Penn State has brought Sean Clifford back. Joe Burrow, I will never forget watching this and getting a little bit mad after Joe Burrow played at Auburn during LSU's magical season, that makes it so no LSU fan can ever complain about anything again. Uh, yes. He was asked, how does Jordan Hare, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, That's correct. uh, Good job. compare 
compared to uh, some of the environments you played in the Big Ten, specifically Penn State. And Burrow said, this trumps all of them. So for how many Penn State fans are going, you know, Clifford has seen this at Kinnick. He's seen this at Ohio Stadium. He's seen this here, here, here. This has the potential to be a really unique environment. You and I were talking a bit before we came on the pod, Jerry. You know, people always say this is good for college football. This is bad for college football. A team from the Big Ten going to play a team in the SEC in a real college on-campus stadium is becoming so rare that this is legitimately a special afternoon for the sport. I can't wait to see what happens. I know you can't wait to see what happens. Why don't you go ahead, let the people know where they can find you, find whatever else you want to plug, and I'll get us out of here and we will go watch a little bit of Champions League. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, When I write, which is unfortunately a a rare occurrence these days, but when I do, yeah, it's still at thewareaglereader.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jerry Hinnon at J E R R Y H I N N E N. Um, if you, you know, you want to be up to date on all of your Huddersfield town updates, uh, your USMNT updates, uh, you can follow me along there as well. Um, you know, uh, we're doing an entire separate pod after this, doing, going over the today's USMNT roster, right, Bill? <laughs> Brother, we could. <laughs> we absolutely could. Anyways, it, it would be what you, it would yeah. be long. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? Uh, poor Zach Steffen. Uh, but to echo what you said a moment ago, no, last year's Penn State game, like lots of Auburn fans I talked to said, you know, despite the outcome, that like you know making that trip was a lot of fun. Uh, you know that they enjoyed being in the stadium. That you know it was one of the. This is why we have college athletics, right? Is that we have games in mm-hmm. Happy Valley and we have games in Jordan Hare Stadium, and we saw it last Saturday uh, with the Texas Alabama game. You know, it, this is this is why we give a crap about college football. This ridiculous semi amateur, you know, sport that you know we've all fallen hopelessly stupidly in love with uh, is because of games like this. And yes, like taking them out of venues like this and putting them in a Jerry world or the Georgia dome, well, not the Georgia dome anymore, the Mercedes Benz stadium, they're only 10 years behind on that one. Um, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And it's great that as a sport college football, it seems to finally be realizing this and dialing it back, getting things a little bit more on campus and, uh, it's a great thing to see. It's going to be a phenomenal game on Saturday. I strongly wish I was going to be there. I'm not. Uh, my uh, younger daughter is now doing the sort of traveling soccer thing. Um, and so mm. uh, cannot be in two places at once. Um, so I, I, I will be watching uh, from my couch intently. Um, but even from the couch, uh, it, it's going to be special. And, you know, to all the Penn State fans who are going, I hope you have a great time. Um, you know, I, I think it is going to be something special and, uh, it's been great being on the pod bill. Thanks for having me. Um, you can have me on next year, you know, Auburn's not playing Penn state, yeah. but you can just have me on to talk about, uh, maybe you'll have a bowl game against some SEC team. That would be a good excuse, right? That'd be fun. Yeah. Next year's, uh, next year's non-con, the big game is WVU. So brush up on your WV. Actually, no, but uh, WVU, I'll probably I, I am not just a like WVU a drunk WVU my- expert. I can fake it though. 
right? I well, here's the here's the issue. My sister married a WVU fan, so we ah. will probably record that podcast from his backyard. <laughs> Thank you very much to Jerry Hinnon for the time. We really appreciate him coming on, giving us a little bit of insight into Auburn. Uh, you know, not. I will say going into that, I was uh, feeling really bad about Penn State's chances. Uh, but the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of talk about TJ Finley in particular, I feel a little bit better now. Nick, let's get into talking about what we think needs to happen for both teams to win this game. You know, uh, we have Penn State first, we have Auburn second, whatever. We'll go with Auburn first. Auburn wins this game if X. I think if they can run the ball. I... Mm-hmm. That's to me is still the biggest question about Penn State's defense is their ability to stop the run. And it mostly comes back to the fact that I'm still unsure about their linebackers. Um, Mm -hmm. Tyler Elsden, I think, has a ton of talent, but just doesn't have the reps yet. And he's playing Mike linebacker. Like he's playing one of the most important positions on the field. And then Curtis Jacobs, you know, I I haven't been overly impressed with what I've seen from him so far, I would say. Um, like the Will linebacker, like that is the spot on the defense. Um, you know, among the front seven, at least that if you are, you know, if you are really a transcendent performer, like we will hear your name, like we might not hear a really good defensive tackle a whole lot. We might not hear a really good Mike linebacker a whole lot, but you'll typically see that will linebacker kind of stand out. We saw it with Micah Parsons. We saw it in flashes with Brandon Smith. We saw it with Brandon Bell. Like we, you'll see those guys stand out. And I don't think we've really seen that from Curtis Jacobs yet. Not saying he can't get there. You know, he's two games into playing this new linebacker position. Um, But I think it's fair to still have some questions about their ability to stop the run. They have not played anything close to resembling a real rushing attack yet. Purdue doesn't run the ball and Ohio's not good. So they haven't been tested in any way. So to have that first test come in the form of tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. Like that is, that's a tough way to start your run defense campaign. Yeah. Uh, Nick, if I, if I may interject last year, Bigsby 23 carries 102 yards, 4.4 yards per carry and two scores against Penn state Hunter, nine 63, seven, no scores. Uh, Bigsby's long was 18. Uh, Hunter's was 24. So they limited the big gains in the running big plays in the running game, but I know where I stand on this and I'm pretty sure I know where you stand on this, but I felt if Auburn committed to running the ball more last year, they would have beaten Penn state. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, yeah, I like the long runs weren't anything to write home about, but they weren't getting stopped. Like they They were were able to bite off chunks. They weren't huge chunks, but they were able to bite off chunks. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to say the exact same thing. I think Auburn is able to win this football game. You know, I I will say just to say something a little bit different. um, I'm, I I think you're broadly correct. I think correct doesn't even begin to describe it. I think Bigsby is, you know, like Jerry said, I think if he was on a more, physical and better offense he is being talked about as potentially the best running back in america i will say if they could get just enough out of their passing game because i think that if they're giving it to bigsby and hunter and throwing robbie ashford in there you know they do that 50 times i think it's going to eventually be a lot of running directly into a wall i don't know you know, for how uh, I think Penn State's front seven, especially its linebacker room, has some issues. Uh, I think Penn State's stout up the middle with P.J. Mustafer, with Hakeem Beeman uh, manning those positions. I would not be surprised if we see Abdul Carter have a bit of a breakout game. Uh, this mm-hmm. is nothing that 
like he has ever seen before, but I think that he has been talked about so extensively by the coaching staff that this is a good chance for him. And I, you know, we're going to learn a lot about Tyler Elston too, because with the way that the first two games have gone out, we haven't really seen him get downhill and attack a ball carrier, uh, you know, running right at the middle. And Auburn's going to give him a ton of that. But you look at Auburn's quarterbacks, TJ Finley on the season, completing 64.7% of his passes for 279 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, big, strong, physical dude, Robbie Ashford, uh, five for 10, 101 yards, 10.1 yards per completion, no touchdowns and a pick. I think that the strength of this Penn State defense is obviously it's secondary. I think Auburn doesn't really have any sort of like indomitable pass catcher who is able, who is going to just frequently terrorize uh, anyone. But I think if they can avoid shooting themselves in the foot, I think Auburn is going to, you know, really, really give Penn State something uh, to think about here. I think if Penn State's able to just pin its ears back, focus on, uh, stopping Bigsby and Hunter to the best of their ability, you know, go in assuming you're going to get burnt a time or two, but you know, you don't have to worry about Bigsby's running for seven yards of carry hunters running for five yards of carry. Uh, Damari Alston isn't going to come in and run for seven yards, of carry anything like that. I think that is a huge, huge, huge boost. But if the passing game can keep Penn state a little bit honest, well, then I think Penn state might get into a little bit of trouble. Uh, Moving to the other side of this, Nick, Penn State wins if X. I think if they run the ball effectively, you know, I think. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it, I, we've talked about this so much. It's not an uncommon thing in football at large, whether we're talking about college or the NFL. But if you can run the football effectively, it just makes everything so easy because mm-hmm. we know that Sean Clifford if he has time in the pocket, we know he's going to deliver a good ball. Like he, for all the Drew Aller talk, Sean Clifford was fantastic against Ohio. Fantastic. Yeah, the, Played the, an the amazing ball, game. The, the ball that he fit in there to uh, Tinsley for his touchdown, where the window is this big and he made it work was yeah. like, I, that was really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, he was lights out. Um, but you know, if, if Penn state, you know, via, I'm assuming Nick Singleton, is able to do damage on the ground and move the ball on the ground. I I just don't see how Penn State loses this game, barring mm-hmm. like a total defensive collapse. Like it's just, I think that we've seen enough from the passing offense to know that with any modicum of time, I don't know, I don't know if I use that word correctly. Um, they are going to succeed, and if you can bite off chunks in the run game simultaneously, like. That's it. That's the formula. That's game over. Yeah. To me, it's whether or not Penn State could take Auburn's crowd out of it. Because as we have talked about, you know, for the most part, I think Penn State is a better football team. And the one thing that is giving me pause, you know, I think that uh, the on Auburn's defense, guys like Owen Popo and Derek Hall are going to get theirs. It Mm -hmm. happens. But I think that. The longer this game goes on and the longer that Auburn's crowd is in it and the longer that Auburn's crowd is able to impose itself on it. Yeah. I think that's a problem for Penn state. If we get to the end of the first quarter and Penn state is up 10, nothing or 
Penn State's up 10 nothing, and they have the ball, and the ball's on Auburn's 30-yard line for a first and 10. I that This game might be really hard. I just don't know if Auburn has the horses to get back into a football game, both with how they want to play and when you're taking the crowd out of it altogether. And this goes back to what I said at the very beginning about this game is why Sean Clifford comes back. He has played in this environment. He has played in Columbus. He has played at Kinnick. He has played in Ann Arbor. He has played uh, in Wisconsin. He has played in some of the most hostile environments that college football has to offer. And he's never had a complete, you know, in those environments, he's never had a complete, you know, generational meltdown, which I know is a very high bar to put on him. He, you know, he wasn't Shane Falco in the Sugar Bowl in the replacements or anything like that. But he, for how tough this Auburn crowd is, for how difficult going down to Jordan Hare is, it's something that even if it's nasty, even if it's a little tougher than what he has seen before, I don't think he's going to be super rattled by it. So if Penn State can get Auburn out, Auburn's crowd out of this game early on, I think they're going to go on and win. And that's where it becomes a situation where I think Penn State can win it a little more comfortably than a three-point spread, Nick. But going I, think the, into the, I think the fact, too, that, you know, right. like you talked about, the like Auburn's not in a good place right now as a football program. Yeah. Like Brian yeah. Harson is on his way out whether anyone in the administration is going to admit it or not. They're not a very good football team. Like they're not, I mean, they're Auburn. They're going to do something weird at some point, but like, this is not a team that fans are probably like throwing a hundred percent of themselves behind the way they normally right. would. And I think that plays a big factor in the crowd. Like, I think what you said like that, if they go up 10, nothing, that crowd could get real quiet, real quick. I, you know what? I wonder if this is going to be a situation like the Minnesota game in 2016, where at halftime of that game, every single Penn State fan was done. Hmm. Every single Penn State fan was completely out of it. And I don't think it will. I think Auburn fans have a ton of pride. I think they're going to root, you know, based on how, based on the fact that Penn State beat them in their building last year, I think they're going to have the juice, but it's on Penn State to take them out of it. And Penn State, three point favorites. Uh, on the afternoon uh, total is 47 and a half. Our pal Bill Conley and SP plus have it at Penn state 25 Auburn 23. So Auburn covering in uh, the overhitting Nick, when you hear all those numbers, what do you think? Where do you think you ultimately land on this and who wins the football game? I I'm kind of thinking, so I'll start with my prediction. I think Penn state wins this game 28, 20. Okay. You could talk same, to same, same score as last year. Yeah. You could even talk me into 28, 17. You know, I won't be a okay. stickler about it. Um, I, I like, I don't, I don't see this, you know, going out of control in either direction. And I, you know, it's like Auburn for as disjointed as they seem still have a ton of talent. And you know, when you have that kind of talent, you're typically, and it's not like Penn state's Alabama or Ohio state. Like they're not, it's not like they're going to come in and just totally outclass them. I have a really hard time seeing that happening. I think Auburn has more than enough talent to at least stay in the ball game. The wrinkle I'll put on it is I don't actually think it's a particularly close 28 to 20. Like I, I could see it being like a, a late Auburn score to make it look more okay. um, acceptable. I think Penn state is going to be able to feel relatively comfortable most of the game, even if the final score score doesn't reflect it, like I just said, um, 
but I, I, I think Nichols, I think Nick Singleton's going to have a good game. I, I think he's, I think he's that dude. I just, I think he is. I, I think it's um, invaluable. The experience that those two games have given to him. I think he, well, it's just going to, you know, it's going to give him a much better sense of like what he has to do in order to do the things he wants to do against college teams. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Katron Allen also had a great game. Like I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to lean on the run game if they can. And I think they will be able to. And I think that, yeah, I, 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 I'm really excited about the run game mostly because I'm really excited about the backs that I think are leading it. And I think that that's going to be enough. Yeah, one one thing that we haven't gotten a chance to mention, and, well, you guys have mentioned this, but I haven't gotten a chance to mention this yet, is yes, it was against Ohio, but last week Penn State generated 572 yards of total offense, which is the most that they generate. Like, they didn't generate that last year. They did not have a game with that many yards last season. It was eight yards per pass, about seven yards per rush. It was the exact kind of balance that Penn State has been looking for from the moment Mike Yurcich stepped on campus. And I don't think they're going to be that good offensively this week, obviously, but I think it gave them something to build on that they haven't had. I They haven't had me, that mental model of what does it right, look like. Exactly. They literally they haven't ha- had that. They haven't believed that they can run the football in a while. Yeah. And running the football opens things up in the passing game. And that's just not something that Penn State has had in recent years. I think if you asked me this earlier in the week, I would have picked Auburn um, mm-hmm. just because of, you know, the respect that I have for going down to that building. I think of all the weird college football games I have seen take place in Jordan Hare. Um, you know, I, I can Auburn can be uh, zero and 11 going into the Iron Bowl and Alabama can be 11 and 0. <laughs> Alabama wins every game by 50 plus points. Auburn loses every game by 50 plus points. And because I have seen the kick six and I was watching that game, I'm going to believe Auburn has a shot. If I was and an I Alabama that, fan, I'd be way more terrified by that scenario than I would be yes. if Auburn was like actually good. Yeah. Right. Because you know, you're going to get up for that game. Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking back on it. Oh, God, I just don't think that the team that put up 24 points on San Jose State. That put up 378 yards of offense on San Jose State with the full, full, ex, fully like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I'm acknowledging the fact that Auburn probably played that entire game in first gear and they have another yes. gear that they're able to get into. I just don't know how I can pick them to score more than 21 points against Penn State. And I think. Penn State can score more than that against Auburn. I'm going to pick Penn State 27, Auburn 20. I think Penn State wins this game. I don't know how much fun it's going to be, uh, but I think that the end of the football game, uh, when it's over, we're going to be in a pretty good mood. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts before I wrap this one up? I don't think so. I just fascinated. Fascinated for this game. game. Maybe more so than any game on Penn State's schedule. And a quick side note, you know, like we said, Auburn is not Alabama. Auburn is not uh, Georgia. But when was the last time you really f- could feel like you were thinking about Penn State direct comparison to an upper tier SEC team and feel like Penn State definitely had the talent advantage? That's a testament to James Franklin. Ooh. Talent advantage, probably 2017. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, this is a, it's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Thank you everyone for listening to this edition of the podcast. And thanks again to Jerry Hinnon for coming on and providing a little bit of insight into Auburn football. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast wherever you go to get your podcast. Make sure wherever you go that if it is possible, leave us a five-star review. Thank you again to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. Again, if you are a first-time customer, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of the pod. For Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Go State.